You'll be turning to Matthew chapter 20. In an age of lawsuits, our society has gone crazy with disclaimers. One disclaimer I would give to this reading, not that I'm expecting that outcome, but one disclaimer I would give is that this, if you are in business, is not a way to pay employees. That's not the instruction of Matthew 20, 1 through 16. Matthew 20 is an instruction about the nature of God. In verses 1 through 16, the text says, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early to hire laborers for his vineyard. When he had agreed with the laborers for Daenerys a day, for the day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to those he said, you also go into the vineyard. And whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. And he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did the same thing. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day long? And they said to him, because no one has hired us. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last group to the first. When those hired about the eleventh hour came, each one received a denarius. When those hired first came, they thought that they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they grumbled at the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the scorching heat of the day. But he answered and said to one of them, Friend, I am not doing you. I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a Daenerys? Take what is yours and go. But I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? So the last shall be first and the first last. Now one of the things about this parable of the laborers in the vineyard, it is unique to the Gospel of Matthew. It's unique to the Gospel of Matthew, and it is assuming a 12-hour workday. Envision this from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And the text tells us that the landowner goes out to hire laborers in the marketplace. And this would have been where laborers would have gathered in anticipating being hired for the day. And 
what he offers to pay them was the going wage at that particular time. In verse 2, he agreed with these laborers for a denarius. So everything now is exactly what people of that culture would have expected. He goes into the marketplace and he hires other laborers. The third hour, 9 a.m., the noon, 6 hour, and the ninth hour, which would be 3 p.m. He hires laborers all through the day. He does mention a wage, does not mention it specifically, but he says in verse 4, whatever is right, I'll give you. Doesn't say a Daenerys, but whatever is right, I will give you. About the 11th hour, this is now 5 p.m. The workday ends at 6. And he goes out the 11th hour and he finds others standing around, idle. And he says, why are you standing here idle? And they said, no one has hired us. He says, go into the vineyard. Now, if you're looking at the King James Version, the King James Version adds the words, I'll give you what is right. It uses some manuscripts. It uses some manuscripts. Without getting into a thorough discussion of that here, uh, it is missing in some of the best manuscripts. And so I think it's likely that here he just tells these people, you go work in the field, and he doesn't promise them anything. He just says, go work. So he has promised some a Daenerys. He has told others that he would do what is right. He has said to some, you just go work in the vineyard with no promises whatsoever attached. Now, we come to the end of the workday. As you were reading yesterday, in your daily reading in Leviticus 19, verse 13, you pay laborers at the end of the day. The end of each day was payday in Leviticus 19, 13, and also Deuteronomy 24, verses 14 and 15. Same way. You paid them at the end of the day. And he says, call the laborers. And the laborers are paid beginning with the last to the first. I believe the word last is mentioned in all in verses 1 through 16 five times. And the word first is mentioned four times. After all that saying, the first will be last and the last will be first. He keeps coming back to these words, the last and the first. So they paid those who were hired last, those who were promised nothing, those who were just sent into the vineyard and said, go into the vineyard with no promises at all. These people are paid It's as if they have worked the whole day. The only ones mentioned in the payment section of the parable, the only ones mentioned are the last ones hired and the first ones hired. We assume between verses 9 and 10 that those who were hired the third hour, the sixth hour, and the ninth hour also received a Daenerys. But the ones focused on are the first and the last. 
when those who were hired first came, they thought that they would receive more. So we're told their expectations from the very beginning. They are now expecting more than they agreed to in verse 2. But they receive the same thing. They receive a Daenerys. Just like everyone before them. And when they receive this Daenerys, the Bible says they grumbled at the landowner. The same word that's used in Luke 5 and verse 30. How they grumble at the disciples that your master receives sinners and eats with them. They grumbled at the landowner. And they say, these last men who've worked only one hour, you have made them equal to those of us who have borne the burden in the heat of the day. He says, friend, I have done you no wrong. And this word, by the way, for wrong is the opposite of the word when he promised before in verse 4, whatever is right, I'll give you. I've not done you wrong. Do you agree with me for Daenerys? I've paid you what I promised to pay you. Take yours and go. If I wish to give to this last, again, note that word, that last man, the same as you, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? An envious eye. Look back into Matthew 6. 22 and 23. Matthew 6, 22 and 23, it's in the context of telling us not to store up treasures for ourselves on earth, but store up treasures for ourselves in heaven. And he talked about the eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is bad or evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. The evil eye, the bad eye, is the covetous eye. And it's the same idea here in Matthew 20 in verse 15. Is your eye envious? Because I am generous. And he says, the last will be first. And the first last. Now, an interesting little note, that statement is the opposite of the way it's made in verse 30. 19 verse 30, many who are first will be last, and the last first. And here, the last will be first, and the first last. Well, what do you think about that here? And what does it teach? At the first, I would say there is, and this may be said to our shame, but there is a level 
at which all of us understand Sarah. As I stated, this is not instruction for how an employer pays employees. If that were the truth, the employer would be dealing with all kinds of controversy and all kinds of difficulties. But there's a level which we all understand. Quite a few years ago, I got a letter. Dear Tommy, you have done such a good job, just extravagant in the praise that they offered and said, because of this, we're giving you a bonus. Well, I was feeling pretty good. I was feeling really good. I found out a couple of days later that every employee had received the same letter and gotten the same money. I assume theirs did not say dear Tommy. (laughs) But they got the same letter and the same amount of money. And it didn't seem so special anymore. There's a level at which we understand that. We understand Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16. And there's a level at which we all understand that this kind of thing is utter foolishness. A professional athlete is rising to the top of his sport. Maybe he even passes the American League home run record. He is offered enough money in his contract to pay off the national debt. Now that's somewhat of hyperbole, but you understand what I'm saying. He is offered astronomical amounts of money. And sometimes they they hold out wanting more. Or in some cases, there have been some that have said, and this is not, if you take from my other illustration, a specific illustration. I I don't mean this this person specifically. But some have held out and said, I'm not going to sign unless I get more money than this one. Now again, we're dealing with literally hundreds of millions of dollars and you're not content with that until you're getting more than someone else. And one of these players admitted at some point, it's not about the money at all. Because we've all got more money than we can spend. It's about keeping sore of who's more important than somebody else. Isn't that important? 
illustration that we can relate to on one level and on another level we recognize the foolishness of it and we'll come back to those illustrations but what is this say what is this teaching what is the fact that they all receive the same pay at the end of the day and those hired first are grumbling what is the significance well i'll tell you look at the answer that jesus gives and this is this is a fascinating word in verse 15 jesus says is it not lawful for me to do what i wish with what is my own or is your eye envious because I am generous? Is it not lawful? Now, in Matthew chapter 12, this word is used. It is used in Matthew 12 and verse 2 when the Pharisees are saying, your disciples are doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath. And Jesus gives a response by this to this, referring to the illustration of David in verse 4. In verse 10, the Bible says they ask the question, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Jesus gives an answer in verse 12, using the same word. In Matthew 19, verse 3, the Bible says, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? This is my point. This question, this word has often been used in conversation with Jesus most of the time asking him, is this lawful to do on the Sabbath? Is this lawful? Is this according to the law? And here it is God asking the question. God is asking, is it lawful for me to do what I wish? With what is my own? Does God not have the right to do what he wants with what is his? Isn't God the Father and us the body? And we can't say to him, why have you made me? this way God is the potter we are the clay and we surrender to him now how is that used in this context now it is used in some contexts as a warning to disobedience particularly in Isaiah 29 but it is used in this context as a statement of God's mercy. I can do what I want with what is mine. 
I can show mercy to whom I will show mercy. And if God shows mercy to whom he will show mercy, are we envious because he's generous? Let's go to the illustrations we used before. The fact that everyone else got the same amount of money that I got didn't take away anything from me. The fact that someone else may make more than a great athlete, someone may make a little bit more, doesn't take away all they've been given. Instead of focusing on what they didn't get, their hearts should have been overwhelmed with thanksgiving at what they had. Day laborers who went to the marketplace, those day laborers who went to the marketplace were just hoping for exactly what happened to them. They were hoping that they would be hired for the day. They were hoping that they would have a Daenerys, that they could go home and feed themselves and feed their family and provide for their needs that day to start the same process over again. They had what they needed. Why are you bothered? But the fact that someone else is being blessed as well. God has a right to show mercy to all that he wants to show mercy to. And there is no ground for injection. these who were hired first missing. Now they would have been happy if they would have been paid first and they would have gotten that Daenerys and they would have gone home not knowing what anyone else was receiving. They would have been perfectly content with that. They would have been perfectly content to receive that Daenerys and go and they would have got exactly what they agreed to but they become envious because someone else is given the same that leads to grumbling that leads to the comparison these last people who have borne the burden for only if worked only one hour have been made equal to those of us who have borne the burden in the heat of the day I want to tell you something. If you're in the vineyard of the Lord, we have got to count our blessings. Because none of us deserve to be in that vineyard. None of us deserve to be in the vineyard of the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 1, 
Verse 7, the Bible has this statement. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. According to the riches of His grace. In verse 18 of Ephesians 1, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of His calling and the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. The riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Now, there is one person who has written on all the New Testament books um, who liked brief, short, two-word titles and his title to the book it's always a B, but his title of the book of Ephesians is Be Rich. Because Ephesians talks about the riches that are ours in Christ. So this is the point I'm trying to say. When we take those illustrations that I used earlier, take those illustrations of receiving the same raise that everyone else at work receives or being the elite athlete who receives more money than all of us combined would ever make in a lifetime which is the more appropriate comparison to God which one our services. It, neither of those were perfect. But we should talk to The riches of the inheritance which is yours in Christ. in spite of the fact that we don't belong to Him. That we don't belong in the vineyard. My point is whether you have labored in the vineyard of the Lord your whole life or whether you are a comparative latecomer to the vineyard of the Lord. All of us are rewarded far beyond anything that we could ever dream about earning or deserving. We don't deserve His mercy and His gratitude. And the last will be first. And first will be last. Now, what is the significance of the fact that 1930 said many who are first will be last? The last that, that 1930 mentioned it in the reverse order. Maybe 
maybe in 1930, he's using the rich young ruler as an illustration of those who are first, who will be last. He's using the, the rich young ruler, that this one who comes and who's kept the commandments and who listened to God. And he said, all these I have kept from my youth up. And he, he had everything going his way. Nobody is trying to stop him when he's coming to Jesus. Nobody's trying to stop him and say, Jesus is too busy for you. But he willingly walks away from Jesus. Many who are first will be last. And the last first. In verses 13 through 15 of Matthew 19, the little children, the little children who want to come to Jesus are hindered by the disciples. The first, like the ruler, will be last. And the last will be first. And in Matthew 20, as he has dealt with those who were hired last and then being paid equal, he underlines the message. The last will be first and the first last. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of surprising upheavals and reversals. That statement, first to be last, is also in Luke 13, verse 30, which deals with relationships between the Jews and Gentiles. But you remember, too, the statement that everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted, made in Matthew 23, 12, and twice in the Gospel of Luke 14, 11, and 18, 14. So in the gospel, there are surprising reversals, as we will see in the next section, in verses 17 through 19. The Son of Man, who is the King, is going to be rejected and mocked and scourged and crucified. There are surprising reversals in the kingdom of God. And that has implications for disciples. As rulership among God's people isn't counted the way it is among the world. And notice the statement in Matthew 20, 27. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. The kingdom with surprising reversals doesn't work the way that human kingdoms work. And in this case, it doesn't work that way. Because of God's amazing grace that led even some of his servants to be envious of his generosity. But I will tell you one of the things, the last being first and first last. is because if we're in this kingdom, we know we are not worthy of it.
in being brought into a relationship with the God who made us. And we should stand in awe of that. Now, friend, young or old, rich or poor, or whatever other distinctions could exist between man. No, you are not worthy, but you are invited by the God who made you and by the Christ who died for you. If you believe God sent his son to die on the cross to save you from sin, if you believe that and you're willing to turn from your sins in repentance and be immersed, baptized in the remission of sin, you can be welcomed into this kingdom where the last and undeserving are first. And the first last. Where everyone who humbles himself, understanding his total dependence upon God will be exalted in the end in Him. If we can help you, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.